0: Hi, I'm Shane Robertson and welcome to the Maysville Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here at Maysville, we want to practice loving God, loving others, and serving the world. I trust this sermon will be an encouragement to you as it challenges your heart and strengthens your walk of faith. Now, grab your Bibles as we get ready to hear from the Word of God.
1: back thank you brother i had the privilege to be here several years ago we were supposed to be here last may i think and had to cancel because of the pandemic and and i'm so grateful uh, to god for the privilege i flew up from jacksonville florida yesterday pastor and i got a wonderful chance to fellowship and i just i love your pastor I just love your preacher. And I thank God for the privilege. What a beautiful building this is. You guys uh, did this right. And I'm just uh, grateful to God to be here. Take your Bibles, if you would, today and go to the 21st chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Luke's Gospel, chapter 21. And I want to preach today on this subject signs. Signs from Luke's Gospel, chapter 21. Can I invite you to stand for the reading of the Word of God? Everybody standing? I'm in the 21st chapter of the Gospel of Luke. The big preacher is doing the preaching. Jesus is preaching in Luke 21, and he tells us about signs to look for before his coming. He says in Luke 21, look at verse number 7. I'll begin there. We'll look at some scripture. Luke 21, 7. So they ask him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And he said, Take heed that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he... The time is drawn near, therefore do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified. For these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places, and famines and pestilences. And there will be be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Now look down at verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the seas and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads. Because your redemption draws near. I'm preaching today on this subject, signs, signs. Thank God for the reading of his inerrant book. Please be seated and pray with me. Would you do that around the house? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father, I thank you, Lord, for these who've gathered in this place today and in other places, not only on this campus, but around the world, watching and listening to this service. And I thank you for the efforts, God, of our staff and our church and the ladies that are preparing meals in the kitchen. God, I pray you would bless those efforts today. God, I pray that just one soul, if one soul came to know you today, God, it's worth it all. But God, I pray many would come to know you as Savior today. So God, I pray that you would do that which I cannot do. God, I pray you give me unction and anointing. I pray that you would loose me and let me go. And God, I pray that no enemy or any devil or demon spirit can interrupt or interfere. And God, I promise to give you the glory And I'll praise you for all things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Titus 2.13 says, we are looking for that blessed hope and the appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I love the story of the state highway patrolman who was sitting by the side of the road one day watching the traffic. And he saw a car slowly puttering down the busy highway impeding traffic. So the patrolman pulled it over, and he walked up to the vehicle and saw five old women sitting in the car. And the four passengers in the car were crying like they'd seen a ghost. But the woman driver was irritated. And she said to the officer, why did you stop me? I obey the law. always obey the law. Matter of fact, I was doing exactly the speed limit of 22 miles an hour, just like the sign says. The officer looked at the sign and chuckled and said, no, ma'am. That's the speed limit sign. Uh, That's not the speed limit sign, rather. That's the road sign. This is Highway 22. That's what you were doing. About that time, a woman in the back seat started screaming bloody murder. She said, oh, thank you, officer. Thank you for correcting her. For the last hour and a half, we've been on Highway 180, and we're about to turn. We're about to turn on State Road 301. Son, I'm telling you, that woman was reading the signs. Have you been reading the signs? You know what I've been doing? I've been reading the signs. I don't mean the road signs. I mean the rapture signs. I don't mean the street signs. I mean the second coming signs. For I've been reading the signs of the time. Jesus warned us about reading those signs. He said that in Luke chapter 21. Look what he says in verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. And on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Notice, students, Jesus said, look for the signs. Now, that word signs in the Greek language in your Bible means indicators or markers along the road. Literally, in the Greek text and according to the Bible, a Bible sign is a prophetic symbol that indicates God's plan for the future. And when I read the signs in the Bible, I can dogmatically stand on this stage without hesitation or any apology and say, I believe that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Amen. I believe that any moment now, God the Father could turn to Jesus and say, Son, Tell Gabriel to grab the trumpet. It's time to go get your bride. And Jesus Christ will step down from the throne of glory for the first time in over 2,000 years. He'll descend down through the galaxies and the stars and the solar systems and the universes. And he'll stop in the clouds. And when he stops in the clouds, he'll stand in the clouds. And when he enters earth airspace, he'll shout in the clouds. And when he does, every believer that is standing above the ground and every believer that is sleeping under the ground will instantly hear his voice, drop this khaki carcass, put off this diseased body and blast off at the speed of light to meet Jesus Christ in the air. The Bible says it's a certainty. It's called the rapture. And Brother Shane, I believe with all my heart, the signs of the times tell me time is short that the end is near, that Jesus is coming soon. When I look at the signs, you know what I realize? I realize that God's getting my house ready. When I look at the signs, I realize that the angel band's getting the music ready. When I look at the signs, I realize heaven's getting the party ready. When I look at the signs, I realize Gabriel's getting ready to blow, and I'm getting ready to go. The signs of the times. Why do you suppose God left us signs? I believe he left us signs for three reasons. Don't get good now. Don't miss it. I believe there are three reasons God's given us signs in the Bible. Number one, the signs are a witness. I need to say that one more time. The signs are a witness. Notice what he says, and the narrative begins in the seventh verse, as we read this morning, of Luke 21. So they ask him, saying, teacher or master, when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? Now, notice the little word be. Now, notice the word be is only two letters in English. I know that, but it's a huge Greek word. And it takes its root, this is fascinating to me, in another Greek word, is where we get our word future. So, basically, y'all, the disciples are saying, Lord, tell us the future. Tell us, Jesus, what's going to happen in the future. And Jesus looks down through time and describes a generation that will see his coming. You know, there's only one man in my life I knew that could tell the future. Only one man. Just one man. He wasn't a psychic. He wasn't a prophet. Matter of fact, he was a preacher. It was my dad. My dad could tell the future. See, students, when I was in the sixth grade, I hated school. I had breezed through elementary school, and by the time I got to middle school, that's where we started in sixth grade, I'm telling you, I hated it. Son, I hated school. I despised homework, despised it. I believed that it was a violation of my constitutional rights. It deprived me of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, because especially weekend homework, oh, I just loathed it, because on weekends, that was pleasure time. I reserved my weekends for two things in those days. On Saturday, it was playing sandlot football, and on Sunday, it was watching pro football. Back in those days, my favorite team, I lived in Florida, but my favorite team was the Green Bay Packers, because in those days, they were the champions. They were on every week, so I loved the Packers, and I'm telling you, my weekends were reserved for that. Well, my brother, who's a couple of years younger than me, was a show-off, so he would bring his homework home on the weekends. So my daddy knew he had homework, and I didn't, and it bothered my dad. And my dad also knew I was bad at math, was bad at math, my worst subject. And so daddy began to question me as the semester went along. Son, where's your homework? Homework." Oh, no, I don't have any homework. I have no homework, nothing. Well, my brother began to inform my dad that it was the end of the semester, time for semester exams. So my dad said, well, your math exam's coming up. Are you ready? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the weekend before the exam, I brought home no homework. My daddy looked at me, and my daddy made two predictions. My daddy said, son, you're going to fail math. You're going to get an F. And when you do, you're going to get a whipping. Now, son, I had one of those dads. Anybody have a dad like that? I had one of those dads. So my dad did not believe in timeouts. My dad did not believe in restrictions. My dad didn't believe in taking away uh, responsibilities or obligations or things I want to do. Not my dad. I had one of those dads that got to the seat of the problem. Y'all know what I'm talking about. My dad's belt was for two reasons. It went around the waist of his pants and the back of my pants. That's what my daddy had a belt for. My daddy made that prediction and you know my daddy forecast the future? because a week or two later we got our report cards and students in those days it was a card a card stock card and they wrote down the letters of your grades and an F was a big fat red F all the other grades were in black but it was a red F when that teacher laid that F on my desk my heart just sank and I thought my daddy predicted the future my daddy predicted I was going to get an F And preacher, that's the first day I can ever remember praying for the rapture. I remember getting on the bus, praying that Jesus would come today. Folks, I walked down that dirt road to get to my house when I got off that bus, shaking, holding that report card because I knew the first prophecy had been fulfilled. And as soon as I hit the front door, the second prophecy was fulfilled. So I only knew one man could tell the future. Well, that's silly, but this is not silly. Only one person knows the future. And it's not a psychic or a prophet or a palm reader. Only one person knows the future. It's not a soothsayer or a stargazer. Only one person knows the future. It's not a crystal ball or a Ouija board. The only one that knows the future is the one who holds the future. And the only one that knows the future is the Lord God. And right here, now watch this. He gives us signs of the times. Now, over the next 23 verses or so in Luke, and we'll not look at all those. He gives about 12 or 13 signs. Now, we we preach these all the time. So you're familiar with many of the signs. For instance, in verse 8, he warns us about false Christ. He says, take heed that you be not deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he. The time is near. He reminds us about wars. He says that in verse 9. When you hear of wars and commotions, and then he says in verse 10, nation will rise against nation. He warns us about earthquakes all over the world and famines in verse 11. There will be great earthquakes in various places and famines. Now, everybody knows that. We hear that preaching all the time. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows there's false Christ among us. In my generation, in my lifetime, uh, we, we've seen Jim Jones who led 900 people to their death because he claimed to be the reincarnation of Christ. David Koresh led 80 people to their death because he claimed to be the reincarnation of Christ. But that's old news. Did you know today there are 41 men in the world, at least 41, who have significant amount of followers who claim to be Christ? There's a dude in Siberia who has 10,000 followers. A.J. Miller in Australia has 7,000 followers. Somebody knows that. False Christ are among us, and everybody knows about war. Students, even though there's not a world war going on at this time, did you know there are 64, 64 nations in the world that are engaged right now in violent conflict? 10,000 people a year in those nations will die. So he predicted that, and then Jesus predicted famines. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that a billion people in the world will go to bed starving tonight. 11% of the population of the world is hungry. Everybody knows that. But I've not come to tell you that. As the witness, I've not come to tell you about the famines and the false Christ. Or the wars or the weather or the environment or the earthquakes. Because I believe there's two current event signs that we overlook that are happening right now in our face that tell us as a witness that Jesus is coming soon. I'm going to give them to you real fast. Number one, the first sign is this. Jesus said, before I come, you would live in days of disease. Days of disease. He says that in verse 11. He says there will be famines and pestilences. Everybody got that? Boy, that's current events. By the way, you know what a pestilence is? Look it up in Webster Merriam New World Dictionary. A pestilence is a contagion. Our infectious pandemic that devastates the globe. Hello, I mean we're living in that day. Last March, a year ago, my wife Judy and I celebrated a landmark anniversary, and and I'm always gone in March for revivals. Because I'm gone so much of the year. And so every landmark, every five years, will go off somewhere. So my wife wanted to go to Niagara Falls. We've never been. Preacher, we were in Niagara Falls whenever the news started coming through that they're closing the Canadian border. And so we had to get out. And for the first time, I saw somebody wearing a mask in the Buffalo, New York airport. Somebody with a mask on as we're trying to get home. You know what I thought? This is ridiculous. We will not have masks on. This is crazy. It's not going to happen, but we now know that COVID is the most apocalyptic thing that has happened in our lifetime. We now know that, that, that within just hours, it seems. After that, the water bottles and the toilet paper on the shelves in the grocery stores disappeared. 40 million Americans within a few days lost their jobs. The worst number since the Great Depression. And so everybody knows that COVID has affected our life. Many of you are sitting there with masks on. I've got my mask in my pocket. I got on a Delta jet yesterday to fly from Jacksonville. Had to put a mask on in the airport. Mask on in the airplane. For we're living in that day. Now 219 countries in the world. This is called a pandemic pandemic are infected with covid and 46 of those countries are still spiking and when the year ended was it not depressing in new york city where there's usually hundreds of thousands of people in times square the new year was rung in with less than a hundred people there and now they're saying new york city may never ever be the same folks jesus said before i come again there would be worldwide pandemics and pestilences hello he said there'd be days of disease, but there's another one we overlook. Amidst all the famines and all the fancy statistics, we miss these two. We miss the days of disease, but the second one, Jesus said, before I come again, there would be days of distress. It's in the book. Look what it says in verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And on the earth, circle this word, distress of nations. That word distress means anxious are full of anxiety. Then Jesus said this, with perplexity, that means to be in a state of confusion. Jesus said, before I come back, the world would be in a state of confusion. Then he makes this statement in verse 26, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. You know what that means? That means men will be scared to death because of the terror that's around them. Many will faint and many will die distress has anybody ever seen in your lifetime a day when there seems to be more fear than today there are more anxiety oh come on man i mean it's all around us all the fear and by the way preacher i've been a student of prophecy my entire ministry i'm fascinated about it. i study it and recently it occurred to me because i've always thought how much time do you think it will take the antichrist after the rapture of the church to take over the world and i finally got it about 30 days Because that's about how long it took the American media to terrorize the population, to grip us with fear about COVID. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not discounting COVID. My family's had it. I've had friends that have had it. I've preached funerals of people that have had COVID. I understand. But when it originally came out, you go back and look it up. It's documented. The American press and media said 81%, 81%. Of the American population would be infected and get sick, and 60% may die. Those were the first forecasts about COVID. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to flat tell you without apology that I have no doubt, Pastor, that COVID is a dress rehearsal for the new world order because a day is coming when the Antichrist will step in and mobilize everybody as one. He will grip the world with fear. Then he will institute the mark of the beast, and you'll have to have the mark of the beast to buy or sell. I'm telling you, we're close to the coming of the Lord. It's amazing how fast it happened. It's amazing how fast everybody, we were told when COVID hit, stay at home and save the world. Close the churches. And by the way, we need to be safe. I admire what you're doing. Hand washing stuff's everywhere. We're practicing social distance. But it's amazing to me, the ploys of the devil, that the church was considered not essential. Buying whiskey was essential. Killing babies was essential. But it's not essential to go to the house of God. I'm going to tell you something. We ought to be safe. We ought to wear masks. But if there's ever been a day America needs the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ to come together and stand as one and announce Jesus Christ is Lord and he's the only one that will change your life, it's the day we're living in right now. I'm telling you, these are a witness. Jesus said, before I come again, there'll be days of distress. Jesus, before I come again, there'll be days of disease. Now, I want to stop right here before I go to my second point. You say, Rick, are you telling me that COVID, that these are signs of the rapture? No. Better mark down what I just said. No. There are no signs in your Bible about the rapture. I'll just say that one more time. You have no signs in your Bible about the rapture. See what we're talking about, preacher? The rapture is a signless event. It could come at any moment. These are signs of the second coming. See, the rapture and the second coming are two different events. Luke 21 as well as Matthew 24 and Mark 13 are signs of the first three and a half years of the tribulation period when the church is gone. So we're trying to say, preacher, why are these things going on now? Because signs of the tribulation will spill over before the rapture. Hey, uh, I went into Cracker Barrel in late September. I was preaching in Tennessee. It was a revival week that wasn't canceled. And I went into Cracker Barrel uh, for lunch with the pastor and as soon as I walked in, I saw the Christmas trees and all the Christmas stuff over in the corner. And I got worked up. Not about Christmas, but Thanksgiving. Because I know that Cracker Barrel has these candies. They're pumpkin spice almonds. Oh, they're awesome, man. They're awesome. And I know that they only come out right before Thanksgiving. And I went right to where I know they, they're not going to keep them long, buddy. They're, I buy them in bulk. They're going to keep them long. And I went to where that big basket was up front. And they had all those almonds in there. And I bought me four bags to take home. When I got home, I got some more. And I got so pumped up because I saw the Christmas signs. Because, see, there really are no signs for Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving, this is good, comes before Christmas. So when I see the Christmas signs, I know Thanksgiving is near. We are you trying to say, preacher? I'm trying to say the rapture is Thanksgiving. I'm trying to say Christmas is the second coming. And when I look and see signs of the second coming, hallelujah, I know the rapture's near, man. It's a witness. Jesus gave us the signs for a witness. But i got to tell you something else. Second reason Jesus gave us the signs. It's going to get good now. He not only gave us the signs as a witness, he gave us the signs as a warning. First a witness, then a warning. Look what he says in verse 27. Jesus said, Luke 21, 27, then they will see. Notice the affirmative they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Notice that word coming. You know what that means? To make an appearance. I've got an announcement that Jesus Christ is going to make an appearance. He is going to be seen. He's going to come. Hey, preacher, I'll never forget uh, maybe my second year in traveling evangelism way back in the late 80s. I was preaching at a church in Tampa, Florida. And I got to the church that night before service because they were having a children's elementary school, a children's hot dog supper and so uh, I, I i went in to greet the kids and so the pastor says oh, just you don't have to say anything just hang out with the kids and, and and i did well one of the preschool and elementary teachers walked over to me because i had a few preschoolers there that night and the elementary teacher said uh, for the for the sunday school said uh, brother rick would you say a few words to the students i said i will and they said well we want you to say a few words about the rapture and i looked at her like what I'm going to tell a bunch of first through sixth graders and a few preschoolers about Jesus coming and folks disappearing. I'll scare them after death. And so I didn't know how to communicate with them. So I decided I'd try to be a little, you know, humorous. So I quoted 1 Thessalonians 4:16: The Lord himself has sent from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. That's the rapture. And I started cutting up with those boys and girls. I said, Bible says, boys and girls, Jesus is going to shout. And I said, what you think he's going to shout? What do you think Jesus will say? Because we're not really told in the Bible. Well, I believe we are in the book of Revelation when he says, come up here. But says, what is Jesus going to shout? And those boys and girls looked at each other. And I said, we think he's going to shout. This really happened. And one little boy in the back, I kid you not, sitting in the back of the, of the room, got up, stood on a chair, cupped his hands to his mouth and said, he's going to shout, ready or not, here I come. <laughs> I thought, boy, that'll preach right there, won't it? Because can I lay this on you? He's coming whether you're ready or not. Do you understand? See, I want everybody to understand something before I go to my last point. The rapture and the second coming are two separate events. I've already said that. That means his coming, get this students, Jesus' coming is described in the Bible in two separate events. I don't want to preach them to you before I go to my last point. When he talks about his coming like he does here in scripture, the first event is an event of Mystery. I'm going to say that again. It's a mystery. That's what the Bible says. Do you know what it says in First Thessalonians 5, verse 2? The same thing it says in Revelation 3, 3 and 2 Peter 3, 10, that he's coming as a thief in the night. That means it's a mystery. you know what it says in Matthew 24, 40? That two will be working at the job in the field, one will be taken, and the other left. It's a mystery. you know what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 52? He's coming in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. It's a mystery. You know what it says in 1 Thessalonians four seventeen. Then those of us who are saved will be, watch this, caught up to meet him in there. It's a mystery. Then he says in Mark 13, 32, no man knows the day or the hour. That means the exact second. Not the season, but the second. Because it's a mystery. Here's what it means, y'all. The rapture is a mystery. So that's the first sequence of his coming. It's the rapture. And back in the 1970s, Brother David, when I was a boy preacher, uh, we would preach something like this and people would get arrested. I mean, their attention would immediately be drawn to it because they believed in this event in which folks would mysteriously disappear. It's going to happen. Do you know what's going to happen if the rapture occurs in the morning and there's this mysterious disappearance all at once? Everybody's going to see something. Those of us who are saved are going to see Jesus in the clouds. But I tell you what you're going to see, sir, if you're lost, you're going to roll over in the bed to put your arm around your wife and it's going to fall down on the bed sheets and you're going to put your hand on her empty nightgown because she's not there, because she has disappeared. Student, you're going to come home from school and pull your earbuds out of your ear, throw your backpack on the table, say, I'm hungry mom. Mom's in the kitchen cooking and when you walk in, you're going to see clothes piled up at the floor at the base of the stove. Food boiling over the stove because mama has mysteriously disappeared. That believer down at the office who witnesses to everybody, everybody's looking for him because all chaos is breaking loose and all they see is clothes laying in the chair because he has mysteriously disappeared. Doctors and nurses are looking at empty hospital beds where saints of God have left decaying bodies and disappeared daycare workers are looking for little children because they have disappeared people are staring at photos on the walls of loved ones who will never come through the door again because they have disappeared people will be looking for emails to be answered and voicemails to be responded to but folks have disappeared and I believe this preacher with all my heart I believe many of those folks or maybe some of you will run down to the church house looking for comfort and I believe many churches will be filled with people that are praying, because that's what people do in a time of crisis, and the altars will be packed with people who are looking for some kind of help, some kind of hope, because millions have disappeared. I believe the stock market will crash. I believe the economy will crumble before the Antichrist pulls it all back together. Everybody that is in this building or listening to me on YouTube right now, everybody on this campus is in one of two places. You're either going to disappear or you're going to stay here. At the rapture, because it's a mystery. It's a mystery. But there's another part of his coming. It occurs after the rapture, later on. It's the majesty. First there's the mystery, we're disappearing, and then there's the majesty. Now look what he says in verse 27. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. That word glory means to honor and worship him. Now, before I go any further, and I'm round the third, I'm not far from closing, hang with me. I said the rapture... And the second coming are two separate events. Do not mistake them. Do not mix them up. The, ra- the second coming is called the revelation. So what's the difference between the rapture and the revelation? Oh, son, at the rapture, he's coming in secret. At the revelation, he's coming in spotlight. At the rapture, he's coming privately. At the revelation, he's coming publicly. At the rapture, he's just going to stop in the clouds. At the revelation, he's going to stand on the mountaintop. At the rapture, he's coming with a shout. At the revelation, he's coming with a sword. At the rapture, he's coming to evacuate his church. At the revelation, he's coming to eliminate his enemies. At the rapture, he's coming to remove. At the revelation, he's coming to rule. At the rapture, he's coming to take out. At the revelation, he's coming to take over. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Bible says at his second coming, on that final hour, all the armies of the world, Revelation 19, will be gathered in Megiddo, in the valley of Armageddon, multiplied thousands and millions all of the ships will be anchored in the Mediterranean ready to shoot their missiles because they're warring with each other and at that moment when the armies of the world are trying to wipe each other out and the Antichrist has moved his forces into the valley of Armageddon at that moment the sky will split open and Jesus Christ will be sitting on a white horse and all the armies of glory you and you and you that are saved will be behind him and the king will come back down through the clouds all the way this time to the planet he'll Get off that white stallion. Put his foot down on the Mount of Olives, and it'll split right down the middle, ushering in a new kingdom and a new age. And those of us who are saved will move into that kingdom in a perfect world where there is no pandemic, where there is no problems, where there is no disease with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Aren't you glad you're saved today, man, to know the Lord? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says this. He's coming in mystery, and then he's coming in majesty. And if you miss the mystery, you'll not be there for the majesty. Roland Level, who for many years was the president of New Orleans Seminary, gave this testimony that he was in a foreign country one time staying in a hotel. And he walked downstairs one morning. He looked around and he noticed all the hustle and bustle. Everybody was excited. Everybody was running around like they're crazy. They were all pumped up about something. So he asked a man who was passing by who was a native of that country. He said, what's going on? And the man said, oh, we're all excited. The king is coming. And Roland Level said, the king? And the man said, yeah, yeah, the king of our country. He's coming. He's coming right down the street in front of the hotel. Dr. Level said he walked outside, and the whole street was lined on both sides with people. He was like six or seven people deep. That's as close as he could get. And all the buzz and all the excitement because the king was coming. The king was coming. And he said, all of a sudden, somebody said, here he comes. Dr. Level said he wanted to see the king, and he looked down the street. and Here comes a motorcade. One car is coming. And then another car. And then finally in the third car, there's the king sitting on the top of the back of that convertible, waving at the crowd. Dr. Levo said when the king passed by, he was so disappointed. He said because all the man was was a man in a suit and tie, just a normal man. Said he had two ears, a nose, a mouth just like him. Said he didn't have a crown on, didn't have a robe on. He said, I was so disappointed. And then he said he suddenly hit him while he was disappointed. That's not my king. Because son, we'll know our king when he comes again. Jesus told us to be ready for this event. First of all, he said, I'm giving you the signs for a witness. Then Jesus said, don't miss this. I'm giving you the signs for a warning. Then Jesus said this, I believe. Number three, I'm giving you the signs for a wake-up call. Hello. A witness, a warning, and then a wake-up call. And now we come to that great 28th verse, the last point of the message. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up. Look up. This is us, church. Look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. That phrase, look up and lift up your head, you know what that means in the Greek language? Straighten up, raise your head. I'm going to say that one more time. Straighten up and raise your head. It's a picture of somebody that's on fire for the Lord. Dr. Bailey Smith had a great impact in my life, a great evangelist who's been in heaven now for several years. Dr. Smith, uh, Brother Shane, invited me to preach at so many of his conferences, got open so many doors for our ministry, and he's always been a hero and a friend of mine. Dr. Bailey Smith told me this story one day. He said um, one day uh, a country pastor picked him up at the airport. He was going to preach a great crusade in that town of the high school stadium. And the pastor was so excited. He was just a country pastor. He didn't, didn't even have a high school education, but he was just full of the Lord. He said that pastor said, Brother Bailey, I've been looking forward to coming. He said, I'm so excited. I've been preparing a sermon today. I'm going to preach to my people Sunday on the rapture. Dr. Bailey said, that's wonderful. And the preacher said, you know what my sermon title is? Dr. Bailey said, what? And he said, well, I shouldn't even tell you. It's not going to impress you. You're a city preacher. You're an educated preacher. It's not going to impress you. And Brother Bailey said, yeah, t- tell me, what is the sermon title? And that preacher looked at him and said, I'm going to preach on this subject. Gabriel is licking his lips. <laughs> I thought, boy, that'll preach right there, won't it? You know what that is, folks? That's a saint of God that's excited. saint of God that says, raise your head and straighten up. Can, can I tell you, because I love you, before I close this sermon, for a moment, can I preach to the church? It's thrilling. Isn't it thrilling to be together in one service? Isn't it thrilling for the body together? This COVID thing has affected us all. We've had so many revival meetings canceled. It's just affected all of us. But you know what I've noticed about COVID? And I'm not being cruel or unkind, Brother Shane. I've noticed that that COVID has kind of separated things. Have you noticed that? It's amazing to me how many believers will tell you they're not going to come to church and assemble with a body because they're scared to death. But it doesn't stop them from going to the ball game or the restaurant, or the theme park, or anywhere else to go. It's because, ladies and gentlemen, they're not excited about the Lord. And I'm not being ugly or unkind. See, we, the modern-day church needs revival. See, it's time for somebody, maybe you're saved, and, and you're going to heaven, and you know it, but you need to wake up. Maybe you need a wake-up call, a wake-up call, a wake-up call about the things of God and the Word of God, a wake-up call to want to witness to the lost, a wake-up call to get busy again for the Lord. A wake-up call. And again, I'm not saying be unsafe. I'm not saying don't take precaution. But I'm saying we are still the body of Christ. A wake-up call. I'm just going to throw all this in. You know what I've noticed about uh, this COVID? As soon as it happened, we canceled 10 revivals. One of them was here. Seven of them, the airline tickets had already been purchased. And I noticed during those days, uh, it was real convenient. On Sunday, I'd sit on my couch, watch my pastor at the North Jacksonville Baptist Church preach. And I discovered, this is cool. There's a lot of things I can do on my couch I can't do at church. I can, On my couch, I can eat a bowl of Cocoa Krispies. On my couch, I didn't even have to get dressed. I didn't have to comb my hair. And you've never seen me with my hair not combed. It's a mess. I mean, it's just everywhere, man. I mean, one week I could sit I had three or four double bubble, bubble gums in my mouth, blowing bubbles, irritating my wife. I could do all those things on my couch. You know what I discovered, Brother Shane? I discovered after a few weeks... There's a bunch of stuff I can do at church that I can't do on my couch. See, on my couch, I can't fellowship with the saints. On my couch, I can't even give the right fist to Christian fellowship or the elbow of Christian fellowship. On my couch, I can't encourage your brother and sister. On my couch, Brother Phil, I can't corporately lift my voice with the saints of God and praise the King of kings and Lord of lords. On my couch, I can't come to an altar. On my couch, I can't. Cheer on the man of God and encourage him as he preaches. Folks, can I tell you, when you get saved, God puts in you a joy and a want to to get together and to be together with the body of Christ. That's how we know we're saved. Saved people are looking forward for the rapture, that great gathering in the sky. Is it a wake-up call? Somebody made need a wake-up call today. But as I close this simple sermon, can I just remind you, don't miss this, the signs are for a witness it's going on in our lifetime. Jesus is coming. The signs are for a warning. Do not be left behind. The signs are a wake-up call. And can I tell you the wake-up call somebody here needs, you may need to get saved. I, I may be preaching to a church member. I'm really I know people don't like it when an evangelist talks like this. You know what terrifies me the most as a traveling evangelist? I'm just going to flat tell you. The people that are in our churches that come week in and week out, that have never had a new birth experience with Christ. And I believe it's rampant in the deep south where we're in the Bible Belt. I, really, I was preaching in Kentucky, and a woman came up to me one night after the service. She said, Brother Rick, would you spend some time talking with me? I said, yeah. Pastor opened a Sunday school room, and we went in there as the pastor waited for me. And there was another lady with her, and we went in that room. And so I asked her, I said, are you saved? She said, Brother Rick, I remember when I went to the front. I remember going up front. I remember walking the aisle and going up front. And I smiled with the spirit of Jesus when I said to her, I said, but you know what, sister, we're not saved because we go to the front of the church. We're not saved because we go in the baptistry pool. We're not saved because we go to the pastor. We're saved because we go to the cross. That's how we know we're saved. My wife, Judy, got saved. I told the story when I was here three years ago, got saved 10 years after we were married, pastoring a church in Florida. The first lady of the church sang in the choir, smile of Jesus on her face, thought, if anybody saves my wife, as you walked down the aisle one night, stood in front of me and said, Rick, I'm lost. My wife had walked down the aisle as a child, never repented of her sins. Had walked down the aisle as a 14-year-old girl when a preacher preached on a hell one night. Nobody ever talked to her about repentance, a confession. My wife, Judy, who married a preacher, had never repented of her sins. She'd prayed a thousand prayers. Do you know what she did that night? She surrendered her heart to Jesus. She gave her heart to Jesus. I'm preaching to somebody this morning in a wonderful church where this man of God preaches week in and week out, but you're full of doubts. Some of you have been so miserable for so long, and you're not sure right now if Jesus came, if you'd be raptured. Let me close this way. 20 years ago, it's been 20 years now, I was preaching at a very wonderful church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. It was Wednesday night, service is over. I was going to go back to my hotel because I had an early flight out of Charlotte that morning to get back to my home in Jacksonville. Pastor said to me, he said, Rick, could you come by the house? And I said, well, preacher, yeah, I'd love to. I, I got, he knew I had an early flight. He said, brother, he said we're not fellowship and I don't want to keep you all night. I, I need you to come to the house. I could tell there was an urgency in his voice. So I rode with him to his house. Had two wonderful teenage kids who became dear friends of our family and my children. Walked in, and when I walked in, there's his wife, the pastor's wife, again like my wife, the first lady of the church. Brother Shane, she was sitting at her dining room table, tears rolling down her face. Her name is Brenda. I walked over to the table and sat down. The pastor said, I need you to talk to Brenda. I I can talk to her, but Rick, I want you to talk to her. I'm going to sit right here. I I said, okay. Brenda said, Brother Rick, I'm not sure that I'm saved. And Brenda, the pastor told me, was so moral, was so decent. She never said any word, uh, any slang or any word stronger than the word shoot. (laughs) He said, that's how moral my wife is. I looked at Brenda with tears down her eyes. She'd walked down an aisle. She'd been baptized at a church. So I asked Brenda a question. I asked her, Brother David, an old question from the 1970s. They used to teach us in evangelism explosion classes when I first became a witness for Christ, door-to-door, learning how to do it. That old question, some of you may remember that question. It goes like this. I said, Brenda, if you were to die right now and God were to say, give me one reason why I should let you into heaven, what would you tell him? She looked at me and said, she didn't say I prayed a prayer. She looked at me and said, I'd tell him I love everybody. And She looked at me and said, but that's not good enough, is it? And I said, no, ma'am, it's not. That woman, that pastor's wife of a church that ran 600 people, that pastor's wife at that table that night bowed her head like my wife did before that and surrendered her heart to Christ. She opened up her life and invited Jesus to come in. She saved. I've been back to that pastor's church many times over these years. Such a joy to be around her. I'm gonna ask you one more time. If the rapture came right now, would you be taken or would you be left behind? Jesus said, you better watch the signs. Do not miss the signs because we're on our way to another world. Would you bow with me all over this building and all over any building, every head bowed, every eye closed? I'm going to ask nobody be looking around. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. First of all, I want to preach or speak to the church. Every head bowed. You may be listening on YouTube. Would you be honest as a child of God today and say, boy, you've gotten cold? That this pandemic and us not being able to meet and all of that has taken more out of you than any kind of sickness. You've just gotten cold about the things of God. You might be a good member of the church, but you've just lost your desire to serve the Lord. Lost your desire to give. Lost your desire to witness. Lost your desire for the Word of God. And just, just right now, right now, wherever you are, would you just pray a simple prayer of repentance before the Lord and say, God, I need personal revival today. If Jesus comes today, I want to be found ready, faithful, and serving Him. God, give me that joy and desire again for the Word of God, the things of God. God, give me that desire, God, to want to be involved in my church. Give me that desire to want to open my wallet and give. God, I need personal revival. And if you're a member of the church and you're saved, I pray God would give you that today because all of us need revival from time to time. But you're here today, or you're in another building on this campus Or you're watching on YouTube and you know right now that if Jesus comes again, you're going to be left behind. That the mystery will unfold before your eyes. Loved ones will be gone. Or maybe you're not sure. Maybe you've walked down the aisle of a church, been baptized. But you're, you're not sure. I'm going to stand right here on this platform and I'm going to pray a simple prayer we call the sinner's prayer. It's a prayer of repentance is what it is. There's certainly no magic in the prayer because a man of God is praying it. I'm going to stand right here and pray it out loud. And I'm going to invite somebody in this house or another house or a house watching on YouTube right now to bow your head and pray this simple prayer. I'm going to pray it out loud, but you can pray it in your heart. Don't you want to settle it today? Don't you want to know you're on your way to heaven today if Jesus comes? The signs of the times say he could be coming today. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite somebody to open their heart right now. Pray a prayer something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know you're the Son of God who died on the cross for my sin and rose again. Jesus, right now, the best way I know how, I repent of my sins. I put my sins under the blood right now. I confess you this moment as Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life today. The game is over. The doubt is finished. It is settled today. I'll serve you because I love you, Jesus. I'll never be ashamed of your holy name. It's in Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to listen just a moment. I have. Just a couple of final words For I turn over to the man of God. Did you see our brother get baptized today? See his testimony? Somebody here may be just like our dear brother, deacon, Sunday school teacher. And you've not truly been baptized since you got saved. You might have been baptized before, but you haven't been baptized since you got saved. And you didn't pray a prayer of repentance just now because you're already saved. But maybe you need to be obedient and be baptized. I'm going to challenge you to contact Pastor Shane today. Say, Pastor, I need to do that. God convicted my heart. I need to be baptized. I want to be living in obedience when Jesus comes again. And if you just prayed that simple prayer of repentance, I don't care if you've been baptized before. I don't care if you've walked out of a church before. You need to be baptized. You need to move forward from today and say, it's settled today. I'm going to be counted for Jesus Christ. May God bless your heart today as you serve Him, and as you praise Him. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Shank.
0: Thanks for listening. As a pastor, my primary concern is your eternity. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, that you can know where you will spend eternity. I would love to connect with you and talk more about your walk of faith. You can email and find more information about the ministry of Maysville Baptist Church on our website. Just type maysvillebaptist.net in your search engine. Also, you can support this ministry through our website or by mailing your gift to 8875 Highway 82 Spur Road, Maysville, Georgia 30558. God bless you, and I hope you tune in next week where once again we turn our hearts towards the Word of God.